in school when you would fill out what your parents did for a living, I would write trimmings not knowing what the heck it was. When they opened up the window in the sweatshop, I used to go play on the roof. Isn't that a great place where you could play? I said, God, let the morning come quick so I can go to my sewing machine. I think I'm nuts. Hello and welcome to Sewing Community, the podcast where local Westchester area residents share their life in fabric and thread. I'm your host, Aaron Page, Director of Folk Arts at Arts Westchester, the officially designated Arts Council for Westchester County, New York. In December 2019, Arts Westchester began working with Amanda Browder, a Brooklyn-based fabric artist, to transform our nine-story building in White Plains into a cascading, colorful, large-scale fabric installation. All the stories heard in this podcast were collected from individual volunteers who have been involved in the building of this monumental work of public art. While this project is currently on hold because of COVID-19, our hope is that the stories shared here will in some small way sustain and deepen the social fabric of our sewing community. This week's episode features three incredible Westchester women, Nydia Navoa Sancho, Mary Lou Santoro, and Arlene Brill. Enjoy! Nydia Novoa Sancho. Currently, I'm living in southern Westchester in Scarsdale, but it's really in Rochelle. And my family's been here since about 1927. They came from Puerto Rico. My grandmother had been a teacher there because she finished high school. And you could become a teacher after high school or even middle school. I don't even know what it was. It was somewhere in there. She has a big diploma. Her name was Carmen Rodriguez Fisher. And um, she came to New York with... Her husband at the time was a man named Pablo Rosa. And Pablo, actually Pablo worked in the Brooklyn Navy Yard doing uh, what they call ebanista in Spanish, but it's cabinet maker on boats. But Carmen came and she had been a teacher in Puerto Rico. And she, she came by herself to beat him here. She worked in a factory on 106th Street and 3rd Avenue. And then... Um, they thought that she was very talented with the sewing, so they had her assist the designer. And she became the person that made the first dress for the designer. It was very, it's a very, I, I love that part. Um, from there, she went to work in the factories, and she started organizing unions, ILGWU. And she also worked with the specific local, Local 91, the children's dress uh, dressmakers, children's dressmakers. But uh, she also worked for a guy named, for a uh, company called Joseph Love at the time. I mean, beautiful children's clothes. And my cousin worked there too when she came from Puerto Rico. My mother and my aunt used to make the hems on silk scarves. And the whole family did that when they were young in the 30s and they had to make the hem by hand. So they all had the handicrafts of, you know, working with fabrics. This was what they learned. They knew how to do it, and they would earn extra money, a nickel for a scarf or something like that, because they could sew that hem. And my great-grandmother did it too. So they all lived together in East Harlem. I grew up mostly in Queens, but first I lived in Central Harlem. I lived in uh, Upper West Side. Well, it's Central Harlem was above 125th Street. And uh, my, my aunt and my mother and my, and my grandmother, they all lived in East Harlem. 
And then they moved to the west side. So it was like a big deal. They moved to the west side from East Island. El Barrio, that's what they called it. My mother worked in the fashion industry because she was a bookkeeper. But then she brought my cousin in from Puerto Rico, and she worked as a receptionist. She was very good looking, and she could wear the clothes. They, she worked in, they worked in a very famous uh, company called um, David Crystal. And then it also was Lacoste, Izod, uh, Izod Lacoste. That's what I think they called it, Izod Lacoste. And they had the little shirts with the alligator. I was telling Arlene, I said, you know, my father used to wear, in the, in the 50s and 60s, he was wearing these shirts with the little alligator. And I thought it was so stupid. <laughs> the little alligator shirt. You know, because my mother could get them at a very low price. Uh, she worked on 7th Avenue and 34th Street or 35th Street, something like that. And uh, she used to buy me clothes, bring me clothes. And I would say, oh, no, Mom, that, nobody wears this. They were very high fashion clothes, and I didn't know it. But once in a while, there would be something I liked, you know, a very fine cotton. I had a great dress that was from there. It was a low front and a low back, black, the little black dress. I had that in the, I think, I guess, 1966, something like that. I, I used to wear that a lot. And that was like a really gorgeous dress, and it was from David Crystal. I'm a crazy lady. When I, when I was in high school, I remember... <laughs> making outfits, you know, one or two outfits, I remember very clearly, going to a party with something I made up. But the sewing, I'm, I have the sewing machine there and fabrics in my basement because I'm going back to it. My daughter was sewing in school. They gave it to her in middle school. And I said, for Christmas, I bought her a sewing machine. And that was like the pride of my grandmother. She loved that, that my daughter, my, my daughter would sew. She just, her, her great-grandmother was like, she wants to sew? But she taught us all how to crochet. We know how to knit. We know a little bit of weaving. All of us, we're all into it because of the family. A family of fiber arts people. <laughs> Mary Lou Santoro. I grew up in the Bronx and lived there until I got married. Uh, and moved to Putnam County and then relocated down to Westchester County. I currently live in Yorktown Heights. I got into sewing as a, a, from a junior high school sewing class. And, uh, you know, as a, as a kid, I was also taught to do, like, like some embroidery and knit and crochet. You know, for a period of time, I made my own clothes, you know, as was the custom, and until... I moved on, yeah, I went to college, I didn't have time for that kind of stuff. So um, as when I had my kids, then I started sewing again because it was just a fun thing to do to make the little baby clothes and the little kids' clothes. I guess when my kids were all grown and out of the house and I, you know, was, when I was working, even when I was working and doing different things, I, I started to get involved in some voluntary programs so where I began to knit and crochet and make dresses for different organizations. And uh, basically that's kind of where I am right now. I just look for different places where I can do something creative and find people who need uh, some help. And, um, you know, I've made sweaters, I've made dresses... Uh, scarves, hats, and, and just a variety of different things. Currently, of course, this project line is where I make blankets, either quilt, did crochet, whatever. 
Um, I've done things with an organization called Knit for Kids, made sweaters and hats for that. Um, some for homeless, made hats for homeless shelters. Is I think Lion Brand Neon has um, partnered with an organization, uh, Stomp Out, Stomp Out Bullying, and they do I do blue hats and send to them. Um, the American Heart Association used to care, uh, collect infant red hats during the month of February. They're no longer doing that. So, But there's another organization, it's called Period of Purple Crying. I don't know if it's called Period of Purple Crying, but it's make purple hats for babies who are, you know, so that people understand that sometimes babies are colicky or cry. So I've supported them in different ways. I feel like Rather than just donating money, I've made something for somebody, and I think that's more important because I feel that an individual is getting an item of clothing or something they need. The money doesn't always go to that resource. Arlene, and the last name is Brill. Um, I grew up in Brooklyn, then Manhattan, then went to New Jersey, then went to California, Los Angeles area, and, and stayed in California for 30 years only came back last year. So, and I live on City Island. Well, I was a designer my, my whole career. And uh, so as a designer, you know, you did everything. And then, you know, I know how to do pattern making. And of course we had to supervise the sewing of the sample, sample you know, uh, first samples. And I don't know, anything that had to be done with producing a line, basically a line of garments. And picking fabrics, of course. And that would depend on what company you work for and what you did. I ended up mostly in children's wear and a lot of knits. So knits work differently than wovens. But, you know, we did a lot. I worked for a long time for Health Techs, which a lot of the older people know about. And it was around forever and ever. And they did wovens, and then later they did knits. Okay, so I went to FIT. And um, that time it was just two-year course, and I was in the design area. Now they have a lot more courses, and uh, so in that I learned draping, pattern making, uh, basically making, you know, making a garment, uh, showing it, getting it into a show, because that's what you did, you know, like a like a, a like a show, like a runway show. Okay, when I worked in Manhattan, which was most of that time, um, it would be in a, a showroom setting where, like, I had an office and I had a sample maker. And some, sometimes somebody would do the patterns for me. In the beginning, I did my own patterns. Then I got too busy, so people did the patterns for me and then cut them out and sewed them. And so I sort of just oversaw the whole thing. So basically, you have... Um, like a t- I don't even know what, is, what it calls it. You have a pattern-making program. That's what I'm trying to say. And so you'd have a basic blocks, like fronts, backs, sleeves, pants, skirts, dresses. And from the basic block, you would develop everything. And then, of course, after a while, you didn't go to the basic blocks. I mean, I had files and files uh, of things that I did. And then you would say, oh, this looks like that. And you'd say, okay, refer to that to make that. And, you know, I also had people working under me, and you would say, you use that pattern, you know, to, to develop that. And that was interesting because 
So you're doing it on a on your computer, and you would then plot it, pretty much like a blueprint. So you'd have a a big plot, like a thirty a thirty six inch, or they're even bigger. We'd have like a thirty six inch plotter, and that would print out the patterns. You you'd cut them out, and then you see what they look like true size, you know. And sometimes, if it was complicated, I would just take the cat the pattern and pin it together and look at it to see before I would cut it in fabric. You know, you know, somebody would cut it for me, but I would look at it. And you know, it is funny because you don't like you're asking me, and I don't even know what I know. But that's just because of working with it. You know, just and that's just experience. And it is different from home sewing. It's very different. Thank you for listening to Sewing Community. I'm happy to announce that for the next several weeks, Arts Westchester's Sewing Community podcast will be hosted by guest Asavari Sharma, a senior at Sarah Lawrence College and a community-based student researcher. Asavari is currently interning at Arts Westchester as part of Sarah Lawrence's intensive semester in Yonkers program. It's been a pleasure working with Asavari this fall, and I'm sure that you will enjoy her interviews with some amazing artists and fabric enthusiasts in Yonkers. In next week's episode, Asavari speaks with Carmen Galliano, a designer with years of experience in the New York fashion industry and teacher at Southwest BOCES Center for Career Services.